Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining me. I'm home here in one of the upstairs rooms of my house with my Bible open to Matthew chapter 6. And starting in verse 9, Jesus says this, This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, we know this as the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And it's recorded in both Matthew's Gospel as well as Luke's Gospel. But what's interesting is here in Matthew's Gospel, after finishing this prayer, Jesus chooses one thing to pull out and to amplify in the next couple of verses. In verses 14 and 15, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow, I mean, it's interesting that Jesus chose that one thing of all the things in that prayer that he could have pulled out and amplified. This was the one thing he did. Now, this isn't unique in the scriptures. Paul also stressed this exact same thing. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And again, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ. God forgave you. Now, I'm kind of picking up the reality that God thinks that this is important. And in all these verses, there's this clear connection between receiving forgiveness from God and the extending of forgiveness to others. Now, on the surface, it would seem like forgiveness would be a fairly simple thing to do. But the reality is that unforgiveness and bitterness that comes from long-term unforgiveness is one of the biggest strongholds and roadblocks to spiritual growth among God's people. Now remember, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a mindset that's filled with hopelessness, that's, that views something as unchangeable, that's contrary to God's revealed will. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 describes it like this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, strongholds are different than demonic principalities and powers. Strongholds have to do with our thinking, with our mind. They are arguments, it says, and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. Unforgiveness becomes a stronghold when I say to myself, I could never forgive that person, and I'm justified in not forgiving that person. When God clearly commands me to forgive, 
I create in my mind an argument that I am right and a pretense that justifies me in my anger. Now, we've all, ex we've all experienced this in our lives. How many of us have suffered injustice or been severely hurt by someone we loved, like parents or a spouse or a close friend? Or how many of us have been betrayed by someone we trusted or deeply hurt by someone in the church? And you think, if you knew how bad they wounded me, you would never ask me to forgive them. Now, this is something I've had to seriously consider over the last several years. Because I've gone and I've taught these principles in different places of the world, among leaders and pastors. Just a couple years ago, I was in an area of India, and there was a pastor who was attending um, our prayer summit, sitting right in the first row. And as I heard his story, it just blew my mind. He was a, his brother had planted a church in a nearby village. And some Hindu radicals had come and, and warned him and said, you can't do that here. We don't want you here. You need to leave and shut down your church. And this man didn't do it. He continued to meet with these believers and to teach the gospel and to teach the word. And sure enough, these Hindu radicals broke into his church on a Sunday morning, dragged him outside right in front of the congregation, tied him to a tree, poured kerosene on him and burned him alive. And now here this man is, who is now a pastor who planted a church in a nearby village after seeing what happened to his brother. And I'm talking about forgiveness. And I think, does this apply to somebody like him? Several years before that, I was in northern Sri Lanka, just three years after the end of the civil war there. And after 30 years of civil war, the government finally decided with a coalition of other countries, we're going to end this with a scorched earth operation where 175,000 people were killed. It's hard to even wrap your mind around that number and just the immensity of human suffering involved in seeing 175,000 of your family and friends and countrymen killed. And I'm thinking, how could Jesus ask and expect us to apply forgiveness in the face of that kind of immense evil or in the face of that kind of immense suffering? I quickly realized that I have no human wisdom to draw from that can provide an answer to that question. But God has a word for us. And Jesus speaks very clearly to us for our benefit. God's word is true and speak to us, speaks to us regardless of how extreme our circumstances. God wants to set us free. Being a follower of Christ is about more than just being saved. God wants to transform our lives, our homes, our marriages, our churches, our cities, our nations. I believe this with all my heart. And whether you're talking about an individual or an entire city, the principles are the same and are transformative by God's power if we will apply them. God is in the business of tearing down strongholds, renewing our minds, and transforming our lives. So how do we apply these principles? Now, the first thing is to understand that forgiveness is a choice. It's not an emotion that I wait for 
or even pray for before doing it. It's a choice that I make. If I wait until I feel like doing it, I'll wait forever. It will never happen. Now, there's a great principle that I learned from a former pastor of mine, John Corson, from Applegate Christian Fellowship. And it's that only God can change my heart. I cannot change my own heart. But I can change my mind. Now, God will not change my mind for me. That is, he will not encroach on my personal sovereignty, my free will, in such a way as to force me to change my mind. And if I will change my mind, God will change my heart. If I won't change my mind, God will not change my heart. And you see this principle worked out in Philippians chapter 4, where he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here you have this choice, a choice to rejoice, it starts out with, that if I will choose to rejoice in whatever circumstance I find myself in, in fact, he says it twice, he says, again, I say rejoice. And then he says, um, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, these are choices that I make, ways in which I change my mind and make those choices which are in alignment with the truth of God's word. Now, when I do that, notice what it says happens. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, when I make that choice to change my mind, God does the thing that I cannot do. He brings this peace that passes understanding. I love how it says it, it transcends understanding in that it, it doesn't depend on me understanding my circumstance or the things that are going on around me. It doesn't depend on me being in control of the outcome or the circumstance that I find myself in. But it's outside of that, that God works in my heart outside my own ability to understand or control my own circumstances. And it says that the peace of God will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Because if I change my mind, God will change my heart. You see, when I make the choice to forgive, applying it, this principle to forgiveness, I now become a candidate for the supernatural. God is able to change my heart and set me free from the prison of bitterness and bring into my life a peace that passes all understanding. I cease to quench the Holy Spirit who wants to work through my life. I can tell you so many stories, so many transformation breakthroughs that started with a radical act of forgiveness. One of the most profound among these stories is that of Corey Tamboom, who in 1947, after having survived the Ravensbrück concentration camp in Nazi Germany in World War II, was now preaching in a Munich church. And at the close of the service, a balding man in a gray overcoat stepped forward to greet her, and Corey froze. 
She knew this man well. He'd been one of the most vicious guards at Ravensbrook, one who had mocked the women prisoners as they showered. It came back to me with a rush, she wrote. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. And now he was pushing his hand out to shake hers, saying, a fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, she said, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take his hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And she said, I stood there. I whose sins had again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy, my sister, had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? The soldier stood there expectantly, waiting for Corey to shake his hand. It says she wrestled with the most difficult thing she said I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. Standing there before the former SS man, Corey remembered that forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Jesus help me, she prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. Lord, you supply the feeling. So Corey thrust out her hand and she said, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, she said, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. She said, I have never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realized that it was not my love. I had tried. It did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So today, if there is someone in your life, you need to make the choice to forgive. Do it now, do it today, and make yourself a candidate for the supernatural. Because when we make that choice to forgive, it prepares our hearts for God to move and do that thing that we cannot do, change our heart. It prepares our lives for God's presence to be manifest. It, pos it positions us 
receive God's power and to embrace that peace, to possess that peace that passes and transcends understanding. Amen.